So why get out there in the cold of December and January? Well, it's a time of transitions and wonder. We've got two meteor showers, plenty of lunar encounters, potentially a comet, planets that are visible but changing, and also some very long nights. Welcome to Observing with Webb, where a high school astronomy teacher tells you what you're looking at, why it's so cool, and what you should check out later this month and next month at night. We are doubling up for December of 2021 and January of 2022 because, well, the holidays get real busy uh, and I'd like to have all this information too. Now, let's be honest. I want to make sure that I get all of this information out without being too late about it in January. So we've got December and January, and uh, it's actually quite interesting because we do have a lot of changes going on uh, specifically in the planet. So uh, why don't I just start off by talking about those? So what planets will you see if you look out around sunset? Well, basically, you've got Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, and a week of a weak appearance of Mercury in January. So let's start off with the one that's been with us for a long, long time, Venus in the southwest. Now, for the last month, this will be the last month, um, Venus stays about 10 degrees above the horizon at sunset in December and it sets around 7.30, and then almost all of December, that's the case. But right around Christmas time is when it just dives toward the horizon, and at this point it's going to be too close to the sun to see, uh, until it pops up in the southeast in the, in the mornings of mid-January. So you're not going to be able to see Venus for about mm, two weeks or so and then it'll pop up in the morning. But we're talking about sunset. Venus is up there and dives down away for the last week. Now, we still have Saturn and Jupiter up there, if you've been following along. Um, basically, throughout December, Saturn and Jupiter will appear in the southwest right as it gets dark, but each night they will get lower in the sky and set earlier and earlier. Jupiter will be the bright point of light on the left, with Saturn about 15 degrees to the right. And you can anticipate Saturn getting lost in the dusk by the first week of January and Jupiter by the end of January. So by the end of January, no more Saturn, no more Jupiter, no more Venus in the evening. Then throughout the night, we, uh, we don't have any planets throughout the night. Uh, but in the morning, we do have Mars? And we also have Venus. Let me explain. So if you look out in the mornings, you look to the southeast. Now, Mars starts December very, very low in the morning southeastern horizon. Now, it'll be interesting to see what day we uh, will actually be finally able to see it clearly in the dawn twilight, but it'll be there. In fact, it doesn't even progress much higher uh, than that throughout all of January. It stays about 10 to 15 degrees above the horizon. So Mars will be a challenge, but it should get easier in the new year. Venus will also be out in that area. You keep an eye out after 6.30 a.m. midway through January. Now, 
midway through January, you look southeast and the super bright object low on the horizon will be Venus. It will keep getting a little higher and rising uh, earlier by a little bit each day and thus starts the time of Venus being a morning star. It passed between uh, us and the moon and so, or sorry, us and the sun. And um, yeah, so now it's going to be a morning star. In fact, it's going to stay that way until September, uh, which is kind of cool. I don't remember them lasting this long, but I got to check my memory banks to see if that's correct. Uh, but yeah, those, those are the planets. So in the morning, uh, you'll be looking for Mars and Venus. Make sure you pay attention to which month it is. And also sunset, um, Venus, Saturn and Jupiter in uh, December but then just Saturn and Jupiter for January. So anyway, get out there and have a good time looking at those planets. All right, let's talk about the events. Uh, starting with the moon, uh, December starts off with the morning crescents. You're looking east in the a.m., and then you've got a new moon on the 4th. That's when it's the darkest skies because there's no moon up there. Then after that follows a week of evening crescent moons looking west after sunset. And then the first quarter moon is marked on the 10th. That's when the right half is lit up and visible until midnight. The evening gibbous week follows that where it's mostly lit after sunset. Uh, and then you uh, mark the full moon on the 18th. That's when it's fully lit and visible all night. Now, the waning gibbous month or week is right after that. Uh, following the 26th is the last quarter moon. That's when it's visible from midnight into the morning and the left half is lit up. Then you finish the month with morning crescents. Now, that is all for December. January is very similar, except the new moon is on the 2nd. The first quarter moon is on the 9th, the full moon's on the 17th, and the last quarter is on the 25th. Basically, everything's just a day earlier in January, so not a big difference. All right, so what about the cool things that are happening out there? Okay, Let's start off with something that I don't have a lot of reliable information about, which is Comet Leonard. I know, I saw Comet Leonard and I thought somebody was playing a trick on me, like, oh, hey, here's Comet Jimmy. But that's, that's not the case. Comet Leonard uh, was discovered by uh, an astronomer with the name of Leonard. But anyway, you can look more about that. But anyway, it's a comet, right? Um, and so if you've been into astronomy at all, you know that comets are not reliable at all, right? Similar, uh, one, one of the sayings I've heard is uh, that comets are just like cats. They have tails and do whatever they want to do. Unpredictable. Now, here's the thing. What we do know is that it passes closest to us on the 12th, and it might just become a naked eye visible comet at that point um, on the 12th of December. But there's always more to consider, right? Sometimes they, they get brighter than expected. Most of the times they are dimmer than they expected. Um, and also it kind of depends on when dawn is for you and when will the moon be up? 
How close to the horizon will it be? How good is your view of the horizon? Will it get lost in the dusk? So there's a lot going on. I would recommend, instead of listening to just me, pay attention to social media starting in December about Comet Leonard and see if you can uh, see if you can see it, sort of get used to it. It, it kind of passes through the constellations, so it's not in one spot, uh, which makes it a little bit challenging. But go, go ahead and see if you can do that. Keep an eye out for Comet Leonard in December. Now, the first set of Lunar Close Encounters is on December 6th to the 10th. We've got the moon crashing in on uh, Venus, Saturn, and Jupiter. So great five days of lunar encounters. Now, we know the planetary setup from the past couple of months, right? Venus is low in the southwest, but super, super bright, easy to find. And then you hold your fist out in front of you with your pinky and pointer fingers extended and move one width that's about 15 degrees, up and to the left, and you will find Saturn. If you go another 15 degrees, you'll see the much brighter Jupiter. Now, great, so you got Venus, up a little bit, Saturn, up a little bit, Jupiter. But starting on the 6th, you've got a very thin crescent moon joining the party. On the 6th, the moon is just four degrees below Venus, and each night, the moon is going to move to the left 13 degrees and get a little bit thicker. So on the 7th, it will be, the moon will be about 6 degrees below Saturn. And then on the 8th, it'll be 8 degrees below and to the right of Jupiter. And then on the 9th, it's about the same distance away from Jupiter, but to the left. And then finally on the 10th, the moon starts migrating away from our bright planets, being about you know, 15 degrees away from Jupiter. But it makes a nice, evenly spaced up, spaced out line uh, of celestial objects. Moving on to December 13th and 14th, we've got the Geminid Meteor Shower. Now, this is a decent year, and it's the strongest annual meteor shower. And, um, yes, it's especially good if you don't mind getting up early. Now, for the evening, folks, not so good because the waxing gibbous moon makes that observing kind of hard because of all the light pollution. But it's still a strong meteor shower. You might still see some. But the moon does set around 3 a.m., which is also pretty close to when the peak will occur. So you get out there in the morning and take advantage of the possible 150 meteors per hour. No guarantees, but uh, be well prepared. When? Well, the peak is the morning of December 14th, 2 a.m. local time, and I say commit yourself to at least 20 minutes. If you just go out there thinking, oh, I'll take a peek and I'll see one. Nope, it's probably not going to happen. So stay for at least 20 minutes. That's going to be well worth your while. Where do you go? Find a dark area. Try to get away from lights. Get a comfy chair. Get a uh, hammock, something like that. Where do I look? Look for the whole sky. Uh, But note where Geminid, or sorry, note where Gemini, where the radiant is, um, that's where they will appear to be coming from. Uh, Gemini will be in the east after sunset, south after midnight, and west in the morning. Also, make sure you check the weather. You don't want to go out there and have cloudy skies. Uh, And also, bundle up. Wear more layers than you think. Um, You can also adapt your eyes to the dark by staying away from light sources for uh, about 20 minutes or using a red light if you need to look at anything. But that is the Geminid Meteor Shower. Uh, Morning of the 14th is your best shot. 
go out there and have a good time. December 21st, a week later, is the winter solstice. That's the longest night and shortest day of the year for the Northern Hemisphere. And then 10 days later on the 31st, last day of the year, we've got a nice close encounter between the Moon, Mars, and Antares. That means this is a morning event. After 5.30 in the morning, but before sunrise, find a great view of the southeast horizon, and you'll find a very thin crescent moon. Now, ruddy red Mars will be just below the moon and to the left, and Antares, known as the rival of Mars, is just below and to the right of the moon. Now, that's the thing. Like Antares and Mars, those are mythologically rivals of each other and it's interesting that the that mars that planet that wanderer in the sky was compared to antares a star that did not move across the sky but they're both red and i'm curious to see what you see as far as are they more alike or are they more different because i'm guessing that uh or sorry that antares will twinkle whereas mars will just sort of stay there anyway the next um night you'll be able to look at Mercury. Mercury does not make much of an appearance these two months, but you might be able to catch it on the evening of the first. All you gotta do is watch the sunset, find Venus, which is still super bright in the southwest, and just eight degrees to the left and a little bit up from Venus will be the winged messenger Mercury, okay? Now, Venus is gonna be tough to see, It'll be easier than Mercury. Bring binoculars. You might be able to see something. Okay? All right. Now, January 3rd to the 6th, we've got a nice close encounter between the Moon, Mercury, Saturn, and Jupiter. Now, this is very similar to what happened in December. Got a nice string of lunar encounters, but the planetary setup has changed a bit. Now, bright Jupiter is the easiest one to find. So Saturn is 20 degrees, that's about two fists widths down into the right of Jupiter. And Mercury, if you can see it, is only about seven degrees below and to the right of Saturn. So Jupiter, to the right a bit is Saturn, to the right a little bit is Mercury, right? Now, on the third, a very thin crescent moon joins the party. And on the third, if you have binoculars, find the moon and just and it'll be just five degrees below mercury that's going to be a tough one i challenge you to do that now each night the moon moves to the left 13 degrees on the ecliptic and it gets a little bit thicker so on the fourth it will be four degrees to the left of saturn on the fifth it will be six degrees below jupiter and then finally on the tenth the moon starts migrating away from those bright planets being just 10 degrees away from Jupiter, making a nice but oddly spaced lineup of celestial objects. Then we've got two left. Um, one is the quadranted meteor shower, January 3rd and 4th. Now, the shower's peak for the quadrantids lasts only about four hours, but there still are some meteors on either side of the peak, especially since the moon is not lit up this time around. We're at new moon. Hence, Get out there early in the mornings, okay? And it should modestly pay off, okay? Either the morning of the 3rd or the morning of the 4th. So you follow the same advice as the Geminids, except that the Radiant is in a space in between the stick figure constellations of 
Ursa Major, Booties, and Draco. So the usually the name of the Radiant comes from the constellation that the Radiant is in, like the Geminids, Radiant is in Gemini. Uh, however, I believe that this meteor shower was named for Quadrans Morales, which was a, or is a former constellation, uh, which is one of the constellations that did not make it into the official 88 the International Astronomical Union voted upon. Now, um, there's more to it than that, I'm sure, but it's basically in between these three constellations, which, I don't know, it was just really neat. I never really understood where that came from, and I looked it up, and it was cool. So, there you go. Um, and then, the next thing is, like, three and a half weeks later, which is January 29th. You've got the moon, Venus, and Mars. So, you get out there after 5.30 in the morning, but before sunrise. And you find a great view of the southeastern horizon. And you'll find a very thin crescent moon with uh, the bright Venus just 13 degrees to the left. And if you're good, you'll be able to spot ruddy red Mars in between the two, but a little bit closer to the moon. You'll need binoculars for this one. And that's it for the events. Uh, you know, two meteor showers, lots of planets uh, getting close to the moon. Um, so check out the uh, text of this on, on the MailChimp, on the link that's on my Twitter and, and Facebook. Uh, check that out. That's where all the information is. So make sure you check that out. I said check it out a lot, but there you go. Make sure you read that. All right, let's move on to some constellations. All right, so for these two months, um, they're almost the same, but basically what's going on is, let's say, let's break it down to after dinner, before bed, and before work. If you're going out after dinner, um, you're looking at Cassiopeia, Andromeda, and Perseus right above you. Basically, just look pretty much straight up, and you'll be able to see Andromeda curving off of one corner of Pegasus, I usually think of it as the top left star of the great big square. And if your skies are decently dark, you might just catch that faint fuzz that is the Andromeda galaxy, just kind of off to the same side of the curve um, as Andromeda. And uh, Cassiopeia is relatively easy to find. It's that W in the sky. And the right angle of it points right to Andromeda and her galaxy. Now, Perseus is also in there. It's the other cornucopia-shaped constellation, uh, but it's opposite of Andromeda. Its curves sort of empty out toward the Pleiades. Um, so, yeah, there you go. That's after dinner. Now, if you're, getting, if you're staying up a little bit later, like right before bed, Taurus and the Pleiades will come through your almost straight-up sight. So if you look almost straight up, but a little bit down toward the south, before, you know, about 10 p.m., something like that, um, you'll find the lovely cluster of stars known as the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters, Subaru, or the Mini Mini Dipper. You can see usually easily about five of them, maybe six with the unaided eye, maybe a seventh, depending on light pollution and your eyes. 
Uh, but to the left of that, about five degrees, will be the V constellation of Taurus the Bull. Uh, and that will have bright red Aldebaran as its brightest star, uh, which also looks like one eye of the bull. Uh, oh, and if you follow a line connecting Pleiades and Taurus, and you go to the left twice as far, you will find Orion the Hunter. Now, um, if you get out there before work, um, find Leo. Just look south, halfway up the sky, and you'll be able to find the backwards question mark and the right triangle to the left of that question mark, and you will have found Leo the Lion. Well, that uh, brings these two months of very long nights uh, to a close. Um, I would just say, make sure you get out there for those meteor showers. Uh, just give yourself 20 minutes. Stay also uh, up to date on Comet Leonard. Um, I'm hoping to do the same, maybe even get a picture of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, basically with that, I'd like to wish you very clear dark skies for the months of December and January.